This is the Honest CEO Show, hosted by the Honest CEO, Caroline Kennedy. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and motivated by the honest stories from passionate, extraordinary business people who share their ups and downs and their learnings on the journey to building success in business. Thank you for listening to the Honest CEO Show with Caroline Kennedy. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes for your weekly dose on all things business. We've also made it easy for you by linking the subscribe to button on the virtual executive website. Caroline shares free business tools and resources there too. And if you're stuck and need some advice, book a free 30-minute session with Caroline or one of her team. Go to www.virtualexecutive.com.au and check it out. While studying a Bachelor of Business at RMIT, Mia and her business partner identified a gap in the women's personal care market for a range of products that were not only high quality, but also stylish, feminine and conveniently packaged. At the tender age of 21, she started her business, Millia Moore, in mid-2005 and launched Moxie Personal Care Products just six months later in 2006. In October 2014, Mia was named Telstra Young Businesswoman of the Year for Victoria and was listed as one of AFR and Westpac's 100 Women of Influence. Mia is an active member and board member of the global organisation Entrepreneurs Organisation and is proud to be a keynote speaker at this year's International Day of the Girl Forum, run by Plan Australia. She also mentors students and speaks regularly at business groups, events and schools, sharing her experience, challenges, successes in running and growing a business and brand. Congratulations, Mia, on all of your achievements to date. Thank you so much. So tell us, where did it all begin? Oh, wow. It started what feels like quite a long time ago now and it was it was it was about 11 years ago now um, I was studying a Bachelor of Business Marketing and I was also working full-time uh, doing an internship in marketing working in um, new product development and at the time I was um, looking at new packaging ideas and developing new brands and um, just had one of those crazy off-the-cuff Moments, so it's one of those off the cuff ideas, I think, as we often do. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was actually quite a funny story. I was um, sitting at a Nando's outlet having lunch with my now business partner, and um, we were talking about talking about um, work and and new packaging ideas. And um, somehow, feminine hygiene came up. We were talking about how tampon products are so poorly packaged and how I was sharing that those horror stories that every woman seems to have about, yeah. you know, boxes breaking open in your bag and whatnot. <laughs> and um we sort of thought, Well, gee, they it's surprising they don't they don't come in something a bit more robust, if that's the case. And um so what started off as as I said, an off the cuff idea, an off the cuff comment actually you know, eventually well, not even eventually, six months later really, <laughs> turned into um the business, the more we thought about it, um, you know, the more the more I realised that, you know, it actually is something that women have struggled with and, you know, I was surprised that no one had sort of taken a, a more practical approach to the category and so, um, you know, I saw an opportunity and, and went for it. I was very young and 
perhaps quite naive and um, a, a little fearless as well and just dove straight in. And I think that what you've just said there about being young and fearless and naive, you know, sometimes they can, being young and in that, that where you don't fear the future or, or you don't necessarily, you know, um, you haven't developed that yet. It, it can really yeah. empower you to just push through and, and not even think about whether there would be any consequences if it didn't yeah. if it didn't work, you know. <laughs> That's it's so true. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and clearly you identified a gap in the market and you were solving a problem. And mm. generally that's the key to success is if you can solve your customer's problem and be customer centric, then uh, the customer wants what you're delivering for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So in in regards to the the tin and the box, how did you come up with that idea? So it, that the tin was actually the first idea. Um, so you know when we were first talking about it, it was like, well, what if they came in something a bit bit more robust that didn't break open in your bag? Oh my gosh, what about like a tin? They should come in a tin. <laughs> so it literally was kind of an off the cuff comment, and um, and then I thought, well, you know, tin is actually that could be a really good solution. Tin is, you know, crush-proof. Well, yep. crush-proof completely, but in this context, it would be pretty difficult to, to break open in your bag. Yeah. Um, it's 100% recyclable. It's one of the most recyclable materials, um, and it's also reusable. So um, it seemed like a really a really good option, particularly, you know, for, for what I was looking at and very, very fit for purpose. Um, so that was... That was kind of the that was the idea itself was was putting tampons in tins so they wouldn't roll around in our bags and then the rest just snowballed from there. Um, I thought that tin itself, being I guess you know naturally sort of you know, silver in colour, can be a bit harsh and a bit masculine looking. And I wanted something feminine and something a little more timeless and a little less offensive and you know not too gaudy or loud yeah. and. Um, so I always, you know, at the time, you know, pastels were really coming in and I liked the idea of this kind of retro look that wasn't really trend-driven. Yeah. And um, so it's a little bit of a nod to, um, you know, the 1940s and 50s, got a little bit of a boudoir, <laughs> lingerie sort of feel about it with candy stripes and the bows and, um, you know, it was just a completely unique approach to what was out at the market at the time. Um, at the time, we were seeing a lot of 70s retro prints, very, very loud, bright coloured packaging that often changed every few months. And as a customer, I even found it really difficult to identify which product you know, I was buying on shelf. Mm, yeah. Mm, and so yeah. the idea was to create a range that was, um, you know, aesthetically, it looked really nice. It was functional, but also it was very easy to shop and easy to identify at the point of purchase because I dare say this isn't a category that we really enjoy shopping. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to spend too much time in the aisle. So no. I thought, you know, let's just make it as easy as possible and as fuss-free. And part of that was that the pack design and having, you know, a clearly um, – consistently colour-coded range by absorbency. So 
when you're darting through the island, you just want to grab <laughs> what you need. Um, it's an easy process. You don't have to spend time standing there trying to work out which product you bought last month. Um, so, you know, I really, really thought about it from start to finish. And I really, you know, I, you know I'm a consumer. I, I buy these products and I very much thought about my experience and my girlfriend's experience and, you know, ultimately designed something to suit. And I think that that's pretty evident. And you're right, um, you know, when, when you go to the aisle to purchase those products, if 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 there's consistency, then it's so much easier and you do, don't really want to have to think about those things. You just want yeah. to purchase and move on and do what else you have to get on with, you know, rather yeah. than look and think, oh, which one do I need? Where is yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't need to be complex. No, absolutely not. Yeah. No, and everyone's time poor. Everyone's got better things to do. You don't want to spend your time in the in the feminine hygiene aisle at the supermarket. <laughs> That's right. What was the hardest part of the initial startup? Oh, look, as you said earlier, I, I, you know, I think I was. Um, it was it was an interesting time for me because I was very young, and you're right. I hadn't developed that fear of failure yet. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> or I developed it, but I was very much pushing it aside. So, well, that's know, nothing, what you need to do, though, don't yeah, you? Even as look, in hindsight, yeah. yeah, in hindsight, that was a very, very good thing. I think perhaps had I known what I was in for, it might have scared me off a bit more. But um, you know, I was just raring to go. So, look, initially, I, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. So, anything I came across that was new for me was was just a learning and all part of the process. Mm. I'd say probably the thing that I've or that has been the most challenging for me is. Um, Probably managing cash flow and finances and things like that. It's um, it's never been a strong point for me. <laughs> I'm I'm more of a creative mind than a mathematical mind. So um, I always found you know doing budgets and things was was tricky when all I wanted to do was branding and um, you know packaging and all the fun stuff or what I consider the fun stuff. So um, I think cash flow kind of creeps up on you. Um, it's not something they really taught much in in school. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, that was an interesting discovery for me. But the key to that is as well, um, Mia, is that cash cash is king in a business, and if you get cash Absolutely. flow wrong, yeah. regardless of the fantastic product you have, yep. your business can um, quickly disintegrate. Absolutely, it's you're right. Cash is king. It is. It's it's critical. It's just absolutely mission critical and it is difficult. It is really tough to get right and, you know, I see it in a lot of businesses, you know, even really successful businesses will have cash flow issues. So um, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. No, but clearly you've mastered it somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if I've quite mastered it yet, but I've, I've, found people that are masters of it so (laughs) that helps um, it definitely helps yeah it definitely helps if you're not good at something then find someone else that is yeah 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 Yeah. and how have you grown the business uh so more more recently we um we've just gone online so we've launched an online subscription service um, called moxie box club which is sort of a set and forget service so once again just just really thinking about convenience and, um, you know, this is the one product that we have to buy every month. So we figured, well, why don't we deliver it straight to your door and then you can totally forget about ever having to go out and buy it again. <laughs> um, so um, so and that's, when, that's a focus. Yeah, and when I read that I thought, amazing, why didn't somebody yeah. come up with that earlier? 
Yeah, I know. Well, look, there are there are a few of them around around the world, but um, it doesn't seem like there's one that's um, customizable. So, um, so Moxie Box Club allows you to choose exactly which products you want delivered, and um, exactly when you want them delivered. So, we understand that, of course, every woman is different and everyone's flow is different, and so the Box Club caters to that. So that's really exciting for us. It's something new. It's it's um, you know, we still, you know, have got a really solid bricks and mortar business and we're still growing with our retail partners, which is fantastic. Um, and we're also exporting a lot too to various markets. Um, we're doing quite well in Asia at the moment, which is exciting. So, yeah, there's sort of lots of things um, in train at the moment. Yeah. And I suppose when you're growing a business as well um, or or as it grows, you don't want it to become static. So you do need to look at other um, source markets or revenue streams. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, comparatively to other markets in the world, Australia is quite small and, um, and you know, we don't have as many retail partners here. So, you know, it can be, it can be very difficult. So I guess in order to insulate ourselves a bit, you know, export is important. So um, we're giving it a go. It is difficult. It's very, very difficult, <laughs> but um, but we're doing our best. Yeah, we'll see how we go. And and initially, because getting into these ma- major retailers is quite challenging. It is. Um, yeah. So I mean, you appear to have made it very seamless, but I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure <laughs> there was a lot of hard work that went on behind the Look, scenes. There was. There was. Look, I think we were. I think we were fortunate in that. Um, you know, we 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 got our, our first break with Woolworths, and look, they've just been so wonderful to deal with over the years. And um, and I think the very first buyer that we presented to saw that we had a, a truly unique offering, yeah. and um, you know, I guess took a chance on us and ranged us in all stores pretty much immediately. So you know, that was that was a pretty big win for us. Our first retailer was Woolworths. And, you know, the rest kind of just snowballed from there. And I think we're very fortunate because I think once one major has the range, then the others kind of, you know, Follow say, suit. Well, yeah. maybe we need a bit of that too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it still is very, very difficult and we still face range reviews every year uh, where we have to go in and, you know, fight for shelf space and whatnot. And, you know, it, it's not easy, but, you know, we'd hope that the, the brand speaks for itself and... Um, and, cl- and and clearly there's demand there and you know the yep. brand is a very strong brand yeah and yeah we've worked really hard on developing the brand and you know 10 years in i think now i've really started to realize the importance of that and and I, i'm actually really proud of that because it's something i was so passionate about doing from early on and a lot of people said oh oh, don't be silly, you know, anyone could copy anything if they want to. But, you know, I was hell-bent on just developing this brand and, um, and you know, this personality that, that couldn't be replicated. And I'm really, you know, pleased to, to see, you know, Moxie playing in the market amongst, you know, other massive multinational brands. And, you know, it, I, I think it's credible now and it definitely has its place and, um we've got a really good customer base and a loyal following and yeah, just think it sort of started that one day with that off the cuff idea at Nando's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, pretty insane. Yeah. yeah. 
And you know what, with your comment before about the brand, it's brand is so important because if people and consumers and uh, your loyal customers can really associate with your brand, and that's a feeling, you know, because you can't replicate that. Um, no. You can replicate a product, but you can't replicate an association or a feeling towards a brand, and no. that's the point of difference. It's like, yeah. it's like Coca-Cola and Pepsi. I mean, you know, Pepsi trying to replicate Coca-Cola and, and mm. vice versa, it just wouldn't happen. They're, they're different yeah. associations and they've got different um, followings, you know. Yeah, and people tried. People have certainly tried. Um, but I think, you know, if if you remain true to the brand and, and it's true to its values, then I think that, that stands out. And, you know, customers know when they're being marketed to. They know when, you know, a fake is a fake, so to speak. So... Um, I think you've just got to trust in that a little bit too. Yeah, I agree. Now, what were your top priorities for you when growing the business in terms of the actions you took to ensure the business continued to grow and develop? Um, I'd have to say that probably the biggest one is just ensuring that um, that we had the right resources in place to help foster that growth along the way and particularly particularly cash flow and manpower, I'd say. Um, but I guess, you know, whilst, of course, ensuring that we're remaining true to the core values and beliefs of the business, so we never we never stray from those. That's what helps keep us on track. Um, but I think resourcing is really, really important and shouldn't be underestimated. You really sort of have to plan ahead for that. Yeah, and, and particularly when it, you look for growth, I mean, um, uh, resources are key to that because mm. when you're doing like strategic plans, for instance, and you say we want to achieve X, Y, and Z in the next 12 months or your five-year plan, whatever that may yeah. be, you really have to plan well, how Definitely. are we going to get there and who, I, I, yeah. and who's going to help us do that. Yes, you know? exactly. It's the who. It's not only the how, it's the who. And, you know, I think early on I was guilty of um, perhaps not addressing that as well as I could have and learnt the hard way. But you do often have to think about who. Um, you know, it's one thing to have the idea and want to execute it, but, um, you know, who <laughs> is, a, is a huge part of that. Yeah. I do you have the resources and the manpower to do it? Yeah. And I talk a lot about in business in particular the importance of the people within your business and that's the who. Yeah. But you know, being customer-centric, A, because at the end of the day, you don't have a business without customers, but also your team yeah. and the culture you foster within your team and the spirit and the fact that when they um, are aligned with your values and, and you get the right cultural fit, your team members just really buy into making sure that the business is a success because then they're a success. Absolutely. It's all about your team. I think you're nothing without your team. And I, I really believe that. And culture is so important um, for us. And it's something that I've really focused on, um, you know, because without 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 your people, you don't have a business. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah, and I yeah. agree with Just you. Just as important as your customers. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you developed Moxie, um, you know, you were taking on the big global multinationals. Did you mm. fear failing at that point? Uh, wow, well, I'm trying trying to put myself in my you know twenty one <laughs> twenty two year old shoes. Mm. <laughs> um, look, I I think as I said earlier, I, I think I 
to be, if I'm really honest with myself, I I don't think I really did. I don't think I developed that fear yet, but I'm actually very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, I think as you said earlier, you know, I, I just didn't know any better at that point. I was, I'd always been taught to give things a go and I feel like I very much adopted that philosophy when I started the business. I've always been the sort of person that would much rather try something and fail than forever ask myself, oh, what if? What if, yeah. what if I'd done that? I'm just not that sort of person. I'm, just, I'm too curious. <laughs> I think <laughs> okay, I always just want to know and I'm impatient. Um, but look, I, I was young and I, and quite naive and, and I think in hindsight that was just a really good thing. Yeah. Because I, I think with being naive came that fearlessness. Yeah, I agree um, with you. And mm. he, and even um, as we get older, I think, and I talk to a lot of business owners and we talk about the fear of failure and, and mm. that also can really drive success as well because it pushes you to, I'm not going to let you know, I'm not going to let that fear yeah, of failure st- yeah. stop me. I'm going to really mm. push through it and just bring it along with you as well. And I yeah. think that that's really important to recognise and talk about and educate about as well that it's okay to fear failure. And um, it's okay to fail. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I, you know, I've failed a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> have I. <laughs> and, you know, I still do. I, You know, every day I make mistakes. But, mm. you know, to me it's just it reminds me that I'm, you know, pushing mm-hmm boundaries yeah um and pushing limits yeah and also um you know the learnings that come from that can be invaluable too I know that from my personal experience where I have failed or where Mm. I've made mistakes the learnings are so invaluable I just I I wouldn't I don't regret any of it because of that no and you think oh I'm not going to do that again yeah bad idea Absolutely. But, you know, as they say, you live and learn. You don't know. You often don't know otherwise. So. Yeah, yeah. And I love the saying you used earlier: "You don't know what you don't know." And I've always yeah. used that in life because it's so true. And I yeah. love finding the unknown as well um, and learning. It's thrilling. It's so yeah. exciting. People often ask me, "Oh, how how do you stay motivated in business?" And I'm like, every day there is something new. There is. There's something new that comes my way that will challenge me every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, you know, I think you, you never stop learning. You you really don't. No. And if you do, then there's something wrong. Well, I always said to view. myself that, I, you know, people people often ask, oh, you know, will, will you sell your business? Do you know, when do you want out and that sort of thing? And I think, well, I feel like, you know, I'm still being challenged and, I, and I'm still learning so much and I still feel like I've got a lot to give. So I think the day that I feel like I'm not, being challenged or the day I feel like I've stopped learning is the day I need to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I hope that's really a long time. I, I actually think it will be <laughs> because you are so, so. aligned with your business still. and yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah. get the sense that it's a chore for you or, you know, no, no, no you're really passionate not. about it. No, yeah. it's not work. I no. mean, it, like technically it is, but it's, it really doesn't feel like work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. And, then you don't work a day in your life if you feel like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, we talked about lessons before. Mm. What are the biggest lessons you've learned in business? After oh, wow. Gosh, just being in business itself is such a, such a huge lesson in itself and the learnings that come with that. Um, business is really challenging and 
um, you know, I've had some really, really tough times over the years and, you know, there have been times where I think, oh, should, you know, I just cut my losses and, you know, pack it in. But, you know, I think those times are, are important um, and it's important to have, as I said, it's important to fail sometimes because it, it does remind you that you're pushing your boundaries and you're constantly evolving. I mean, you know, how can we how can we grow if we don't challenge our boundaries? Yeah. So I find that, you know, resilience can be difficult to embrace sometimes when, you know, it feels like everything is just against you. But, <laughs> but you know, for me, it really, it keeps me pushing on and, and it keeps me, um, it reminds me to take risks. Um, and the second thing is probably cash flow. I'd have to say again, <laughs> cash flow, the bane of my existence. It is really difficult to manage, but it, as I said, it seems like everyone in business suffers the same fate, yeah. regardless of industry. So yeah. um, I, I'd say um, to anyone starting a business, be prepared for that <laughs> as best you can be. Um, yeah, and again, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You never stop learning. And um, particularly in today's market, which is forever changing and technology is evolving so rapidly, I think it's important to be to be open and open to embracing change because I think otherwise it's quite easy to get left behind. So um, you sort of you need to keep up. Yeah, and to remain relevant as well. And remain relevant. It's all about relevance. Yeah, yep, definitely. Yeah, yep. and to be open to embrace the change mm-hmm. and ask your customers, you know, what do we do well? What can we do better? What would you like to see us doing? Because at the end of the day, if you're not delivering on your consumer expectations or your customers' expectations, then you're not remaining relevant. Oh, absolutely. I've I've learnt that. It's you know, it's it's so important to manage manage or exceed customer expectations. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, they'll tell you what you're doing right or wrong. Um, just ask them. Yeah. Often people just you know, I find sometimes businesses or products just assume that they know what their customers want and yes. they will develop something accordingly. But you really, really do listen to your customers. They might not be wanting what, you know, what you're selling. <laughs> yeah, and it's that ongoing improvement as well because yep. as the market evolves and changes, so do consumer expectations. Yeah, and, and needs and wants yep. change too. People's yep. lives change and lifestyles change. And, I mean, look now, like, everybody is always on their mobile phone. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, but if you know, we're interacting in different ways and you just need to embrace it, really. Yeah, and a prime example of that, I think, is, you know, the introduction of your, um, you know, your box and yeah, going online yep. because it's it, people want convenience and they don't really want to leave their houses if they don't have to, you know. So no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a prime example of remaining relevant and keep evolving to meet the demands of the changing market. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you were the 2014 Telstra Victorian Young Businesswoman of the Year. What was that experience like for you? It was, I was so surprised and <laughs> overwhelmed when I won that award. I, I just, you know, I, it was an honour for me to even have been nominated, let alone be named the winner, and particularly amongst so many other young women, uh, young amazing women um, whom I really admire. It just it floored me, honestly, when they, when they called out my name. Look, um, In the past, I'd really shied away from any such recognition, and I'd actually been nominated 
quite a few years earlier and I, I I never went through with the application process because I, I just was a bit of a doubter, a bit of a self doubter and I kind of just preferred to lay low and do my thing and and um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think just as I've as I've gotten older and I've started to understand more about life and business, I've also started to understand the impact of positive influence. Yeah. And, you know, for me being part of the awards, it gave me a platform to have a voice and that's an incredibly privileged position. And so I think, you know, really embracing and being proud of that win is important um, just in order to show other women who are perhaps shying away from achieving their goals for whatever reason, you know, that, that you're awesome and that you're worthy and that you can do it too. So I kind of think, like, how can we drive change in the world and expect others to raise their voices if we won't raise our own? So it really taught me a lot about that. And um, and it's been an incredible journey. You know, I've I've made lifelong friendships. I've developed, you know, incredible business relationships. And, you know, it was just, it was just a really great moment. And it just sort of continues to, to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's you know all all good things have come from it so i'm just um i'm just yeah really really so stoked to have been involved um let alone to win it i mean gosh yeah it still surprises me i walk past i walk past the award every morning <laughs> at work and i just go oh yeah that that happened oh you're very <laughs> modest <laughs> oh no it's 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 the truth yeah but look i i you know, I really, I really do appreciate it, and I really do appreciate the recognition. It means a lot. So, um, I like, I like that I have those little moments with myself every morning where I just, you know, say, oh yeah, that that happened. That's pretty awesome. And I think yeah. being a positive influence on the next generation of women as well, and women in general, uh, the fact that you recognised that that you know, that you wanted to move away from, I suppose, not wanting to embrace the recognition. Mm. And um, a lot of women um, suffer from uh, imposter syndrome, Mm. which, you know, uh, limits people too. And it can be, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, or they're going to find me out. And, and, Mm. And it's more women that have it. And, and, women that do have those feelings are actually generally overachievers um, because they really want to do well and they care about doing well. And mm. that's that's what I hear from you. And even the, and it's not necessarily self-promotion, but when somebody, pro, you know, promotes you and recognises you, you're very humble about it. And, and that's a really great quality. Uh, but to embrace that and and feel slightly uncomfortable about it, mm. it, to really have an impact on other women is such a great quality, and you should be very proud of that. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. That's really <laughs> lovely. But I mean, it, it, look, it is hard. I do find it challenging. I um, you know, funnily enough, I I kind of do often prefer to lay low sometimes. But yeah, as I said, at the same time, you know, I've I've seen the impact that this has had on, you know, even just the women around me. And I think, oh, my gosh, that's so powerful. I'm really lucky. I'm really, really lucky to be able to um, to deliver that, to help, um, you know, drive that. So, 
you know, it it becomes bigger than you and more important than your fear of, you know, um, you know, you know, being in the being in the spotlight, spotlight so to speak, kind of thing. You know, not that it's that that dramatic, but you, but you know what I mean. It's 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 more than that, and it's more important than that. So, mm. um, so look, I've I've used the opportunity to go and um, speak at schools a lot. So I go and speak to young girls about about their careers and about um, career paths and and just what it's like. You know what it was like when I first started being a young woman in business, um, and and talk a little bit about our um, social responsibility initiatives and things like that. And you know, it's just amazing that that the Telstra Awards have sort of given me that platform to be able to talk about the things I care about and and hopefully, you know, instill some of those values and that drive to make change in in other young women. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be our future business, Telstra business women and future leaders. So I think it's important to, you know, to, to pass on that, that positive um, message. Yeah, and be a positive role model for them as well to demonstrate that it is possible and that mm. if you, you know, if you're game enough and you have a really great idea, just embrace it and see where it takes yep. you. Yeah, you don't want to ask yourself what if. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Completely agree. Now, what career advice um, would you give to young women? Oh goodness! Um, look, I think there's gonna there are gonna be there are gonna be people that tell you you can't do it, that you're too young or you're too old or you're too inexperienced. Um, I, you know, there are always people trying to bring you down, unfortunately, and. For me, I just had to ditch the haters. So I'd say, ditch the haters. You don't need those people. Find people that will have your back, yeah. and um, and keep them close. Just develop a good network, and um, and you know they're the people that you call on, and vice versa. They'll call on you too. Which is yeah. a really, <laughs> it's a really beautiful relationship to have. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's important to block out the negative talk because there's a lot of it, and. Yeah, I found that there were a lot of there were more people that told me that I was crazy and that it was a bad idea than people that supported me at the time. Um, and you've got to fight through that sometimes if you really believe in your idea. And you know why shouldn't you? Um, you've you you've just got to go with your gut. Yeah, as cliche as that sounds. It's no, better go it, with your gut. It's one of those things. It's better to have tried and failed than never have tried at all. Well, as I said, I never wanted to be asking myself, oh, what if, what if, what if. I didn't want to be sitting here, you know, 11 years down the track saying, oh, what if I had done that? Um, what, Like, really, what have you got to lose? And that's what I thought to myself. What's the worst that could happen? Like, really, what's the worst that could happen? And nothing really seemed that bad. So, <laughs> so I went for it. And it's always, you know, in life, uh, things do happen and um, – Things crop up, but you get through them. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and at the time they might seem like they're quite, uh, you know, catastrophic, but you get yeah. through them. And once you yeah. get through them and you look back and you think, why was I so worried about that? Oh, exactly. <laughs> and, and look, it wasn't meant to be easy. If it was easy, then everyone would do it. Mm. <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's important too to remember that, you know, you can't do everything yourself. There are people there to help you. You don't have to have all the answers all the time. You can't be everything to everyone all the time either. Um, so, you know, I found, as I said earlier, if you're not 
good at something or you're struggling struggling with something, then there are people out there to assist. Yeah. And there are people that are really willing to assist as well. It's just about finding those those right people. But they're out there and, and you know, once you do find them, um, they're so valuable. I've always had a motto of um, surround myself with people that lift me higher or people that if I'm in a room with them and I look at them and I yes. think, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be here, how am I here? Then you're in the right place. Uh, yeah, I feel intimidated. <laughs> then I know I'm in the right place because, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. And that's so for true sure. for anyone. Um, yeah. Now, you launched the initiative Pads for Pads in 2013. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, um, look, we developed Pads for Pads um, in order to help curb the really high rates of school absenteeism amongst girls, particularly in developing countries. Um, due to poor menstrual hygiene management. So it actually started when I, I read an online article that talked about this issue and it just, oh my gosh, it just it hit me so hard because, you know, I'd been in the industry for, you know, at the time about seven or eight years and I, you know, there was very little talk about about um, menstrual hygiene in developing countries and what, you know, what women, what solutions women are using in, in you know, remote areas and... and Oh, this article was so eye-opening, and um, I just I couldn't believe that a I hadn't really thought about it before, and b you know what what was going on. So girls are you know often forced to use old rags, newspapers, um, bits of old foam mattress in place of menstrual products oh. because they don't have access to clean and efficient solutions. Yeah, and you know obviously those. Those are not solutions. They're very inefficient methods. They lead to infection, um, embarrassment, of course, as well. And so girls are often forced to stay home. They don't go to school. They will stay at home for four or five days a month. And ultimately, they miss up to 20% of their entire school year. And, you know, it's not like Australia, whereby if you miss class, you can ring your friend or ring the teacher and get the notes. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult for these girls to keep up. And so a lot of them will end up leaving school altogether. And, you know, that just has such enormous detrimental effects on their future. And um, so I thought, well, you know, I have to do something. I have to, can't not. You know, I, I just think with, you know, with with knowledge comes a sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, just, you can't not do something when you hear about something like that. And a very long story short, uh, this article talked about an organisation in Uganda called AfriPads, and AfriPads make um, reusable, sustainable menstrual solutions uh, for women in developing countries. And so I contacted them out of the blue and just realised that through what they were doing as a business over there and what, what we're doing here, that if we partnered together, we could we could help support more of these young women and help keep them in school. So basically, we we don't fundraise or anything. We fully fund our own Pads for Pads program. So we use our profits to purchase um, menstrual kits made by AfriPads who employ 150 local Ugandan women. Mm-hmm. And they make the kits on our behalf and then we donate them to the girls in the most need. So thus far we've supported 12,000 Ugandan schoolgirls. So each girl will get a year's supply of product. And um, many of them have already graduated, which is fantastic. So, you know, it provides a, a, a very good, comfortable, sustainable solution. And, um, 
it's uh, it's a win-win. It's it's awesome, and it's just you know it's such a huge problem, but the solution comparatively is actually so simple. Um, so I'm I'm just so pleased, and I'm so pleased that yeah, in you know in such a short space of time, we've we've been able to support so many girls, and hopefully many many more. Yeah. And, you know, working with the partnership with the, the organisation you mentioned before, you can have a bigger impact both working together, um, which, which I'm sure they've clearly seen. But mm. I also want to make note of, you know, the fact that you said you fully fund that from your profit. We do, yeah. Um, which is fantastic because we talked about earlier the challenges of cash flow and, mm. and yet you um, – you put that aside and you don't consider that, whereas a lot of businesses do. So, the so yeah. you know, the social impact that you're having and the social responsibility that you feel uh, it makes a difference and it really contributes. And you know, It does, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, someone actually asked me once because, you know, you know we are still a small business and, um, you know, I think people often, well, this particular person that interviewed me actually said, well, you know, you're only a small business. How much impact do you think you're really going to make? And I thought, oh my gosh, that's such a negative attitude. Like, you know, if if we helped one girl, like if one yeah. girl could continue her schooling and graduate and go on to college or university and, you know, forge the career path that she's dreamed of, then that's something. Like, that's that's huge. One that's more really than powerful. that, that, that then previously yeah, had it, that help but you know it's like the butterfly effect right it's yeah. not just that one girl so you know the impact of that one girl being educated in her community means that you know she's probably more likely to educate her children yeah and you know so on and so on and you know the effect of educating one girl is is enormous yeah. and I kind of feel like if if everyone just did their little bit you don't have to have an enormous impact you don't have to have a lot of resources um if everyone just found a way, whether it's personally or in business, particularly in business, if we can use our businesses as platforms, you know, to drive change for the things that we care about, then I think collectively we could actually make an enormous impact if everyone just did a little bit. Um, so I'd really encourage, you know, people to, to think about it and look at it and, and you know, think about an area that's relevant to their business or to their customers and, and try and give back in some way, even if it's just a small way. Even if you impact one person, then it's, you know, it's something. And it is so important to give back to the community and not just to take all the time as well, no, you know. No. And it's it's a two-way street. And, and I think 12,000, helping 12,000 young um, girls is having an impact and it makes a significant difference. So it's not small and um, and you should be very proud of that. We are. Look, we are really proud. I've, I've been to Uganda and I've met so many of these girls and oh, they're, just, they're just incredible. They're just amazing. And to see them thrive like that, you know, and, and pursue their careers is, is something else. Yeah, it's, um, rewarding. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. It, it makes it, it's just... When I think when we started that initiative, it all everything fell into place for me. I kind of went, oh, I get it now. I get it. This is what it's all about. Yeah. It more, makes sense. There's now. more to life, you know, and yeah, uh, and actually making yeah. a contribution as part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. all just made sense. Yeah. 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 Now, I've heard you talk about your Moxie HQ birthday parties. <laughs> so, 
Oh, those infamous birthday parties. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about that. Oh, Moxie HQ birthdays are pretty amazing. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, they're pretty spectacular. I've had some really great parties and I think the best part perhaps about the parties is just a feeling of how much I must mean to the team for them to you know, value me and to go to so much trouble because yeah. I really do go to a lot of trouble. Um, one that stands out was um, I had an Alice in Wonderland Mad Hatter's Tea Party <laughs> theme one year that was quite amazing and um, the guys had completely transformed the office and I had to go down the rabbit hole and, you know, <laughs> I, I met Tweedledee and Tweedledum on the way and everyone was in costume and it was it was pretty incredible. Um but probably the one standout one was a couple of years back and they called it my friends of me a party and they'd managed to get every single one of my girlfriends oh. out to the office um, for morning tea that was prepared by my mum. So it was really beautiful that, you know, everyone everyone left their jobs and kids and whatever and, you know, came to spend the morning with me. It was a really nice surprise. So I feel really, really spoiled. Um but, yeah, they are they are pretty epic, not going to lie. Yeah, and I think that that comes back to, A, um, your culture is a credit to you because you clearly look after your team and they're well engaged and they respect what you're doing in the business and, and respect you as an individual. But also a credit to you as a person because all of your friends took the time out to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, um, oh, I just. It's really special. Like I feel really spoiled. I feel yeah. very, very spoiled when it happens, and um, yeah, they, I'm really lucky. Yeah, very lucky. But they We've do got a great crew. They do that because obviously, clearly, you are you know a, a special person. I think is what I'm trying to say. Because oh, I hope, I hope, so. I hope that's why they, I hope that's why they do it. Well, they wouldn't do it for any other reason. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh, I'm so so I don't know what's in store this year. I'm looking forward to it though. Yeah. But they really it, they really like, you know, they up the ante every year. They really up their game. So I don't know what they're gonna do this year. <laughs> Sounds like fun. We'll have to take it, some pictures. <laughs> it is. You're anyone is welcome. You're more than welcome to join us. <laughs> I might just take you up on that. Now Definitely. Uh, finally, what does the future look like for you and the business? Well, as I said, I think I've got I've got a lot left in me personally, and I, and I think um, there's a lot left in Moxie too. So look, I think we'll continue our um, international expansion, and um, you know we'll continue to um, to grow the Moxie Box Club, and and perhaps also diversify the range. So exciting times ahead, I think. Yes, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mia. I really appreciate it. I love chatting to you and congratulations again on all your achievements and what you contribute to business and also to the universe in general. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to The Honest CEO Show with Caroline Kennedy. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes for your weekly dose on all things business. We've also made it easy for you by linking the subscribe to button on the virtual executive website. Caroline shares free business tools and resources there too. And if you're stuck and need some advice, book a free 30-minute session with Caroline or one of her team. Go to www.virtualexecutive.com.au and check it out.